give somebody a high five, say you're welcome. And you may please be seated. Ah, it's so sweet. It's so sweet to declare the word of God. My preaching by the help of the Holy Spirit will be brief. Somebody say amen. amen. A quick amen. Every time I say that, say a quick amen. Victory by the blood is what I want to share with you. And this is tied to our confession. Your victory by the blood is tied to your confession. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. The word of God says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Not only by the blood. But also by the words of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Meaning they didn't stop making their confession. This confession we just... Reeled out this morning is not meant for only Sunday, Sunday service. It is meant for everyday consumption. Can I have an amen? amen? So when you wake up in the morning, confess. Bring the Holy Ghost, spend time in the word and make your confession. Never be too much in a hurry to leave without preparing your day and without commanding your day. This is really good. There are days you wake up and you feel so tired. One of the lines of the confession said there is no weakness. And there is no weariness in my spirit, soul, and body. That should be your confession. There are days you wake up in the morning and the devil will tell you, you're weak today. It's a blue Monday. Why are you so excited? There is no need to be excited. You're really down. And if you agree with him, you're really going to be down. So when the devil says you're down, don't agree with him. Say, shut up. I'm up. I'm not down. Say that somebody. No, start with shut up. Say, shut up. Shut up. I'm, up. I'm up. I'm not down. <laughs> Glory be to God. Because that guy will keep coming and telling you, you're, you're down, you're down, nobody likes you, you're blue. I'm not blue, I'm brown. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, very quickly this morning. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 11 on the screen. And then I'm going to be in uh, Hebrews 2.14. Leviticus 7.11, and i like us to, oh, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which, no, 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 somebody say no, 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 now, media, you know my scripture, I thought I gave you this morning, seven, oh, seven, I said, I know it has seven, 17.11, sorry, 17.11, and we're going to be in Hebrews 2.14. Leviticus 17.11. Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. I want to speak on victory by the blood. If there is any time we need that. In the history of our nation, or whatever nation you find yourself, whether you're in the U.S. or the U.K., wherever you're hooking on from, two people joined us at the dawn service from the U.S. this morning, and maybe even many more. Now, the blood of Jesus is applicable in every continent and in every nation. It's universally applicable. The enemy is preparing his final onslaught, and so there is a whole lot of havoc being wrecked in the realm of the Spirit. But we refuse to be destroyed. 
Because we carry in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Henceforth, let no man trouble us. Can I have an amen? amen? The blood of Jesus is one of the most potent, most lethal weapons in the Christian arsenal. And not much is taught, not much is talked about regarding this topic. This month, I'm going to be talking about it. Victory by the blood. So I'll do a little bit of it this morning. And then, boom, we move on from next Sunday by the grace of God. And I'm going to turn down every preaching invitation just to ensure that I'm in the church. I'm here throughout this month. I, I want to complete this series and trust the Lord to do what he has promised to do. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Very quickly. Hebrews 2, 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. The word of God tells us, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Now, what the writer of Hebrews said in verse 14 is not that they ate flesh and drank blood. Yeah, they did that. But that's not what he was saying in verse 14. He was saying, he was talking about our humanity. You'll understand that better in the NIV. That because we, we have flesh and blood, Jesus also shared in our common humanity. And through death, he had to die to break the power of him who holds the power of death. Satan was the one holding the power of death until Jesus came. Now, so what happened was in the beginning in the garden, everything was fine. God made Adam out of his ribs, made a wife for him. And everything they were going to ever need was provided in the garden, even before they were made. So provision was made first of all. God had done all the works of creation. And so Adam was not created to be a hustler. So when they tell you double your hustle, double your hustle, that is not coming from the spirit of God. Before man was made, everything he was going to need was put in place. Adam was made just to tend the garden, just to be the manager, the administrator of what God had already done. He had an estate to himself already. And he was just meant to be in charge. And all of a sudden the tempter came, deceived the woman. Adam was not deceived, but decided to tag along with his wife like most men do. And so the curse came. Now listen, there are two forces running this universe. One, of, one is called the blessing. The other is called the curse. Somebody say the blessing. Now, don't put S at the back. Don't say blessings. The blessing. Somebody say the blessing. Then the curse. Now, God did not curse mankind. Oh, no, Pastor Fred. You know, people have told us over the years that God placed a curse on man. No, God didn't curse mankind. Mankind aligned with the curse. Today, people still align with the curse. Like people choose also to align with the blessing. God has given us the power of choice to choose what we like and to live with the consequences of our choices. 
One of the greatest things that God has done for mankind is that he has given us the free will to choose. Till today, till tomorrow. You may choose to make heaven. You may choose to go to hell. It's your choice. So Adam chose. He wasn't deceived. He chose to commit treason. Only lawyers will understand that. Much better. He bequeathed. Now, pardon me if my pronunciation is not right. You lawyers in the house. But you know what I mean. He bequeathed or bequeathed <laughs> the authority and the dominion that God gave to him, to Satan. Adam was the God of this world. Every animal God made, you read that in Genesis 2, Genesis 3, God brought to Adam to name them. And whatever name he called them, they are still called till today. That was how much power and authority that Adam had over this universe. His body was never designed to be sick. That's why till today, if you know a little bit of medical science, you will know that the human body is designed to heal itself. So every blessing was in place in the garden. Oh, you couldn't walk six steps without hitting your head against the big pomegranate fruit or grapefruit. Oranges everywhere, bananas everywhere. Pineapples everywhere on the floor. Grapes, apples, talk about anything. They were all supplied in abundance in the garden. Adam didn't need to step out to go and look for something, look for what was not lost. It was just meant to be an administrator of the blessing. But guess what? He committed treason against God. He sinned. And the sin he committed activated the curse. God did not curse man. All of those words that look like curses in the Old Testament, especially when you read Deuteronomy 28 from verse 15 to 68, Hebrew scholars have made it clear to us that those words were used in the permissive, not in the causative. So when God said, for instance, and I will let the heaven over you to be brass and it will bring forth rain that is dust and your ground will not yield, I will curse you, I will, no, no, no. He was saying, I'll permit this to happen. It was in the permissive, not in the causative. So God is not in the business of killing people and making their lives difficult. God is in the business of redeeming mankind to himself and blessing us. Can I have an amen? So I'll give you an example of the way we live our lives. Your dad wants to go out. You have a dog at home. It's a, it's a Rottweiler and it's gone crazy. And dad said, son, if you get out and you play in the premises, that dog will bite you. It's gone berserk. I've called the vet doctor. She will be here. Her name is Dr. Esther Ayomideoni. And she will be here in 45 minutes. She's a graduate of the university, the, the prestigious premier university. Glory be to God. In 45 minutes, she's going to be here. Now, don't step out of the house. You stay indoors. That was the instruction from your dad. 15, 20 minutes, you got bored like we all get bored. We don't like to stay somewhere. We're so very active and energetic. It's almost 30 minutes now. The doctor is not here. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting bored. This Christian life is getting bored. Praying in tongues, reading the Bible, doing evangelism. Come on. I want to be happy. 
want to get out in the club and see what's going on. Get out in the world. Every young person always believes there's something out there for them to see. There is a life to taste. And Pastor Fred is keeping them from enjoying that life. Pastor Fred, I better sit in the corner and allow me to live my life. It's my life after all. Is it his life? You're right, baby. It's your life. So after a while, you step out of the house because you're bored. You need to go out and play football. On the way to the gate of your house, here comes the mad dog chasing after you, charging at you. And you say, Jackson, Jackson, go back. Now, Jackson is crazy now. He's lost his mind. Pounces on you and uh, latches on the bone of your leg. And you cry, but the teeth are locked. I'm told there are some dogs like that. Bulldogs especially. You know why the nose is flat? God made the nose of the bulldog to be flat. So that when it holds on to an, holds on to an object... It can stay there for hours, still able to breathe. And it won't let go. When a bulldog catches a bone, I don't know who can get the bone from the bulldog. So it latches onto your leg until the doctor arrives. You're in pain, you're bleeding. And then the doctor frees you, says, loose him and let him go. And then you limp back into the house. He said, my dad is wicked. What a wicked father. My dad is a wicked man. He's a wicked man, man. He's a wicked man, man. He, he let the dog bite me. Hello? Did he let the dog bite you? Come on, church. Don't be quiet on me. Answer now. Did he let the dog bite you? Who let the dog bite you? Your choice. Listen, church. The curse is already raging around us out there in the world today. It was activated by Adam's disobedience. But glory be to God, he didn't leave us. to so the whims and caprices of Satan the devil to perform his enterprise in our lives, he sent us another Adam in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam, but it's not just the second Adam, it's the last Adam. After him, there'll be no other Adam. So if you don't accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you are done for in all eternity. You are permanently condemned. That's why the Bible, you see, people wouldn't go to hell because they're sleeping around and drinking and smoking. They will go to hell because they rejected Jesus, God's last sacrifice. After him, there is no other sacrifice. Can I have an amen to that? Is the last Adam. So when he came, what he did, I'll summarize in three points. He came to redeem us back to Eden, back to God. Back to how things used to be before the fall. Back to that time when the body of man was not subject to sin. Not subject rather to sickness. Back to that time when man was not subject to being a hustler, but just an administrator of the blessing. Are you with me, church? Back to that time when man knew nothing called depression. All that man knew was righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why Galatians 3, 13 and 14 tells us, Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, has redeemed. He is not about to. 
He has already redeemed us from the curse of breaking the law. That's the meaning of from the curse of the law. From the curse that came as a result of breaking the law. Not only that, so that, verse 14, the Gentiles, we the Gentiles, we are not naturally Jews, we are Gentiles by nature, might receive the blessing of Abraham. And it's not all about money. I'll show you this morning. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That promise of the Spirit is not talking about promise of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues and baptism. Yes, that's part of it. But he was saying the promise that the Spirit made to Abraham through faith. I will show you that promise next week by the grace of God. But very quickly, let me lay a foundation here. Right. So Christ has redeemed us. What has he redeemed us from? He has redeemed us according to Galatians 3.13. Can I ask you, church, if you're following, what has he redeemed us from? I thought somebody said from our enemy. There's another portion of the Bible that says our enemy, but this one tells us he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is summarized in three points. Number one, if you're writing right, the curse of the law. Number one, spiritual death and early physical death. Spiritual death and early physical death. Now, what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is eternal separation from God. When a man becomes separated from God, when you no longer hear from God, you are dead. A man that wanders out of the congregation of the, of the, of the, of the, of, oh, no, 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 no. A man that wanders out of the way of understanding, Proverbs 21, 16, shall abide in the congregation of the dead. The dead are the people who no longer fellowship with God because they have been separated from God. For a very short season, Jesus was separated from the Father. But he was so that we might be reunited to the Father. Can I have an amen to that? Spiritual death. He paid the price. So if you are still spiritually dead, if you are not in Christ, it's your choice. Now, if you want to make your communion back with God and commune with him and fellowship with him and hear from the Holy Spirit and let him lead you how to run your business, how to run your health, how to run your finances, how to run your academics, how to run your relationship, it is available. Can I have an amen to that? God is more willing to talk to us than we are willing to listen to him. And I tell you, I've listened to God in my life. I have also not listened to God in my life, but I've come to pre present before you the two outcomes. I like to listen to God for the rest of my life. I've burnt my fingers for not listening to God. Listening to Google, listening to friends, listening to TikTok, listening to what I think, listening to my feelings, listen, listening to what they have to say. I know what God has to say. In that point, number one, I say spiritual death. Part of it, the B part of it is early physical death. Listen, it is not the will of God for any of his children to come home untimely. There is a lot of doctrines and a clash of doctrines in the body of Christ today about when should a Christian die. Some people believe once you are 70, you are good to go by reason of strength 80. It was Moses who said that in Psalm 90. When the children of Israel had disobeyed God so much and they had said, well, 70 is fine. He said, okay, that's fine. 70 is good. And then by reason of strength 80. But can I ask you, what age do you think Moses himself died? If you're a student of the Bible, Moses went to be with the Lord at the age of 120. 
His natural strength was not abated. He could run like he was 40 at the age of 120. And Moses had sharp vision till he went home. God's intention is in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. My spirit will not always strive with man. For the number of his days, because he is flesh, the number of his days shall be 120 years. Abraham, our father of faith, died at 175. Isaac went home at 180. Jacob at 147. None of them died young. All this kill Sarah, Sarah, Christianity, what will be, will be, well, it's not how far, it's how well. Shut up! They say, well, maybe he has fulfilled purpose. Were you there when God was writing the script of the purpose of his life? And he's gone at 34 and you say he has fulfilled purpose? Why would God make longevity part of our redemption plan? Why would he say in Psalm 91 verse 16, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Papa Hagen would say, he would give me long life until I'm satisfied. Expression house, is any of you satisfied now? You want to go home? I mean home to heaven? You're satisfied? Anybody here? You've done all that God called you to do? Many of us have not even scratched the surface of what God has called us to do. In fact, the senior pastor said to me just a few weeks ago, he said, Fred, you have not even scratched the surface of God's plan for your life. I almost, that, that almost jolted me out of my seat. <laughs> we need time to do God's purpose. We're not living long because we want to make the Guinness World Records. Living long, fulfilling the kingdom mandate of preaching the gospel to every creature. Can I have an amen to that? Oh, it has pleased the Lord to take away, to take home our brother, to take home our sister. No! He doesn't take nobody. The only man he took is found in Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54. In Isaiah 53 verse 10, the Bible says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That was the man he took, and the name of that man is Jesus. And that man is alive and well today. Can I have an amen? Two other people he took. He took Enoch. He took him alive. He took Elijah. He took him alive. There is only one person whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. Jesus called him the thief. And I'm sure Jesus was not so disrespectful to his father that he referred to his father as the thief in that verse. Because he said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life how? Come and talk to me, church. Life how? More abundantly. So who was the thief? The devil. John 8, 44, Jesus exposed him. Jesus said, you're a murderer and a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer. He's an assassin. He's trying to assassinate you right now. And you agree with him. And you say, maybe it's the will of God for me to die at 25. Maybe I will just fulfill purpose. Maybe. Shut up. Go back to your Bible and stop believing those nonsensical nonsense coming from seminary and theology schools. Go and read your Bible. Spend time with the Holy Ghost. Until your assignment is done, you are not going anywhere. Number two, what is the second manifestation of the curse? Sickness and disease. Sickness and disease is a way the devil has designed to kill man instrumentally. 
installmentally. Medical students and nursing students, you'll agree with me. If someone is diagnosed of diabetes, for example, maybe diabetes mellitus or insipidus, and they don't get their treatment, what begins to happen to them? Their health begins to deteriorate and degenerate and deteriorate. So it will go, I think it's also in stages, right? Like cancer. Stage one, stage two. Am I right about that? Now, until the final stage, which is the terminal stage, and finally, eventually, the person one day will pack up and they say he has died. That person didn't just die that day. They've been dying a long time. Dying installmentally. Instrumentally. Gradually. Dear, dearly. Dear, dearly. They're dying dear, dearly. You know, like in Yoruba, they say, Oh, wo son, dear, dear. When you buy a car and you're paying instrumentally, they say, Oh, wo son, dear, dear. People die dear, dear. Look at die. Look at dear. Same spelling. That's deep, right? John 3.16, the word of God tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? What does it mean to perish? Sickness and disease makes people to perish installmentally. And God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to take care of that. Adam was never reported sick in the garden before the fall. Not one day. Not one day. No, no doctor ever had the opportunity to put a syringe in Adam's veins. Not one day before the fall. But you check after the fall, things began to happen. Things began to work against Adam. Even animals that he named began to bark at him. He saw a dog and the dog charged at him. Lion roared at him. It never happened before the fall. Adam was running the world. All of a sudden, his body that was designed to live long began to fall sick. It was after Adam's fall that men began to fall sick in the Bible. Go and check. Different people. King Uzziah, King Asa. Even King David at some point and some of these other prominent people in the Bible were falling sick. Some of them died from falling sick. Some of them recovered. Ezekiah recovered as he prayed to God and turned to God, but he was sick. There was no sickness in the garden. So listen to me. If there is a sickness in your body this morning, whatever kind of sickness, whatever kind of disease, I want you to know that Jesus has paid the price and the price he paid was his blood and you don't have to be sick one more day of your life in the name of Jesus. One of our sisters was watching the service last Thursday, whether watching or listening. She hooked on online, and as we took our confession, I shared the word of God a little bit, and then we took the postmortem of dunamis. I didn't know this. I didn't even know she was online. And after the service, she sent me a voice note and sent me a couple of messages and said, Pastor, guess what? I hooked on to the service, and my mom was with me, and my mom had a pain in her chest, and she believed God. I later heard their conversation from the voice note. And just watching the service, the same anointing in the service. Because every time we're talking about the word of God, teaching and preaching the word, the anointing is resident and the power to heal is here. You may like to postpone your own healing till next week. That's fine by God. But he wants you to have it right now. Can I have an amen to that? At the end of that service, our mom was completely healed of that chest pain. Now, I haven't seen her before. She just joined us online. I remember during the pandemic also, one of our sisters, she's in my protocol team. Her brother was in the UK and she, he was watching with the wife from the UK hooked onto our service. And it was communion Sunday like this. 
And after the message, he said, the guy said to the wife, give me the kit. You know, they have kits. You can do yourself test. I feel like I should test myself. I think I'm healed this morning. And then he tested himself and boom, COVID positive became COVID negative. That's the power of the word of God. It can work in any nation at any time. For those who believe. Number three, the third manifestation of the curse. Number one, spiritual death and early physical death. Number two, sickness and disease. Number three, poverty and lack. People don't like pastors to talk about that anymore. You're talking about money. <laughs> poverty is very romantic in books. You read about cockroaches and bedbugs all over the house, and you're laughing. <laughs> but in real life, you don't want to live in poverty one day of your life. When you ought to have a car, and you don't have a car, and it rains, that's the day you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate having a car. When you can't pay your rent, and your landlord comes and ejects you, and your stuff are on the streets, that's the day you'll appreciate having a roof over your head. In fact, you start thinking of owning your own home. Do you think God is averse to these things? Do you think God hates us having things? Hello? If you're a photographer, do you think God hates you having your own cameras to work with? If you're having an excess so you can rent to other people who don't have? The damage that religion has done to us in this country is divided into two. One, some have gone to the extreme of prosperity preaching. Two, some have gone to the extreme of poverty preaching. And they have convinced us that the poorer you are, the more acceptable you are to God. Because poverty is your badge of spirituality. We are the spiritual people. We are the one poor. We are the one suffering for Christ. Shut up! When you can't pay your bills, it's not nice. I have children. I hate it if my children ever come to me, Daddy, I'm hungry. And I say, go to your mommy. You know when daddy sends them to mommy? Mommy says, go back to your daddy. And they come, daddy, mommy says, I should come and meet you. Go back to your mommy because you don't have money. It's not nice. But when they come and I flip, I flip my ATM card to them, go and give it to one of the uncles who knows my pain in the expression house. They go to Chicken Republic, buy them good lunch. It's really nice. My children are able to believe God, that God is a provider. Can I have an amen to that? But you tell them God is a provider, but we are lacking. Dad, <laughs> Dad is God good? Is, re is he really a provider? You say God is a healer and we are all sick in the family and he can't heal us? What kind of God is that? I don't know if you saw this video trending online now. My wife showed me. A little boy that was caught stealing meat. And the mother punished him. And the mother asked him to be riding in one spot. And the boy said it was, it was the devil. It was the devil. And the mother said, now tell the devil... That see what he has cost. And the boy asked for freedom. He said, mommy, release me. Let me go and pray. So I can tell the devil how stupid he is. Mommy said, no. While you are serving the punishment, tell the devil. I love the, what that boy said. He said. The boy said, devil, see what you have cost now. And now you, are, you can't even help me. You can't even help me. Stupid man. Idiot. <laughs> he said, he said mumu man. Mumu man. That is how real the supernatural can be to children. You tell them God can provide and you're in lack. They say, what kind of God is that? You tell them God can heal and we're in sickness. Let me give you one scripture and then we close this service. Because I see that they've closed at the ICC, so I need to close now. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 
I'm going to continue from here next week. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. On the screen, please. We are going to read it in about three translations. So that you can use this one to tell that enemy who is convincing you to live the rest of your life in poverty that Christ did not only deliver you from sin, he delivered you from sickness, from, from, from disease, from early physical death, and also from poverty and lack. Read it by yourself. One, two, go. Uh-huh. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might remain poor. What was Jesus trying to achieve by becoming poor for your sake? So that you might be rich. Now, don't be afraid of the word rich. Somebody say rich. rich. It's really nice. Say rich. rich. Now, what, what, what that means is to be abundantly supplied. It's not always about money. You need help. Ten people are there trying to help you. You're driving on the highway. You suddenly have a flat tire. Three cars stop. Hey, what's up? Can we help? Anything the matter? And they help you. You are rich. You can have plenty money and be poor. Like Nigerian politicians. They can't sleep. They've stolen money so badly. They've stolen the country blind. They can't sleep. You can sleep. You have plenty of sleep. You are rich. You need 10,000, you have 20. You're rich. Abundant supply. Give it to me in the NLT and let's stop there because of our time. NLT, quickly. No, give me NIV, 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 NIV. Thank you. Let's read, church. One to go. For you know, now you are reading with your mouth. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that grace? That though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become poor. Might become what? Give me, give me NLT. No, give me AMPC, Amplified Classic, and let's stop there. Stand on your feet, everybody. We're going to read this standing. Hallelujah. Get my Bible. Get my sermon note. I want to stop now. I've got seven minutes, but I have to stop. One, two, go. Church, read. Hello. We need to read together. I hope you all can see the screen. Let me speak a bit of Ebonis. I hope y'all, can y'all see the screen? Y'all. <laughs> Alright, let's go now. One, two, go. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. His kindness his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Somebody shout amen. amen. Say that's me. Come on. Lord, have mercy on us. People don't know what Christ has done for them. That's why they go to Habalist to do Yahoo money. Because they don't know what Christ has done. The Bible calls it his gracious generosity. Yeshua is a medical student and she lives in UCH. How much is transportation? From here to UCH. T-Fair. 
regular taxi. 50 naira from here to roundabout. 50 naira from roundabout to UCH, 100 naira. And she walks up to me after service. And I say, oh, my baby girl, you are going to school. And I count 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000. And I said, that's your tea fair to school. Is that tea fair? That is gracious generosity. That would take her to usage and bring her back over 10 times, over 20 times. And we'll still have money enough to go to Chicken Republic or Kilimanjaro or, or, or Jade's Cuisine or Martha's Kitchen. Oh, remind me, babe, where, where's that place we normally go to? Once in a while, that place in Budija. And they have an outfit in, on Ring Road. Cafe Chrysalis. It's a nice place. Homemade cooking. And we usually also go to one, not too far from here, or Father Kitchen. You, you get good food. <laughs> Don't soak garden this afternoon. Go and get yourself good food. <laughs> Somebody shout glory! Hey, hey, hey guys. Jesus has made it available. We need to obtain it by faith. By faith. Now, Pastor Fred didn't start from there. He started from the Gary part. But I won't give Gary to my children after service. I won't give to my wife. Shebi, I'm a good husband. I, I, you know, I just, I, just, I just give them, sometimes I just give them my card. Buy whatever you want to buy. Buy. Max, Max, what do you want to eat? Max, Max, Max. 8K, 9K, 10K, Max. One afternoon, oh. I'm, I'm a good husband. But guess what? Jesus is the best. He doesn't want us to be sick one more minute of our lives. Doesn't want us to live in sin. Doesn't want us to be weak. Doesn't want us to die early. Doesn't want us to be broke. He himself is not broke. He became poor, so very poor, so that through his poverty, we might be so very, so very, so very, so very rich. So that wherever you turn, you have the favor of God. You need the favor of one lecturer, you have five lecturers all over you. No strings attached. They just want to help you. May you be abundantly supplied this week. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word you brought to us. Thank you for the victory we have by the blood of Jesus. We are about to take the communion right now. Lord, breathe on us. Breathe on the elements. Let nobody's life here remain the same again.